Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here coming live from Upstairs Studio. Not in studio with me is Heather Shoemaker. How you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. Nice snowy day. Oh, man. The snow is on the way here in a, in a couple hours for us. I'm going to record with you. I'm going to go do some chainsawing to get some stuff out of the way for my plow guy. And then uh, I'm going to start a fire and sit back and watch the snowfall. It's, it's a very, oh, event, nice. very eventful day we got planned. So last episode, we dug into weapons play a little bit and realized it was going to be more than a one-episode thing. And we're going to delve into that some more. We're where do you want to get started? How do you want to... Well, you know, I'm kind of looking out my window and I see some icicles, which are obviously toy weapons. <laughs> hey, you can put an eye out. <laughs> yeah, but if you use them, um, you know, it, it depends how you use them. Sword, icicles are great swords. Oh. Um, sometimes we break off the tips. Uh-huh. Um, and you can also battle all kinds of things. You know, um, my youngest usually battles trees with icicles. <laughs> I haven't thought about but, this for years. We would take the—I mean, they'd be like three foot long. I don't even—I think it was off a garage near near our house, a neighbor's garage. We'd get them and we bust these things off, and they'd be maybe four inches around and and three or four foot long, and 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 we'd just battle with them, and then it would become smash from time. And it was awesome. Thank you for th- thank you for the memory. <laughs> Yeah, maybe instead of sitting by the fire today, you're going to go out and uh, smash I have to icicles. go out and make some icicles. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, of course, this time of year, too, um, in our house anyway, there's some leftover candy canes still hanging <laughs> around, and those are just perfectly shaped. Um, well, especially when the wrapper's still on. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as a toy weapon of various sorts. So this is a great time of year for found objects and and, you know, the wind blows and a, and a stick comes out of the tree, and some of them are just the perfect shape. Our garage is full of perfectly shaped sticks that are so <laughs> precious that need to be kept for various games. Um, some of them have turned into bows, bows and arrows, uh-huh. some them, um, swords, some of them spears. In fact, we found a, an arrowhead and tied that onto the end of one. And, um, and other ones, of course, are the, the right uh, shape for a toy gun. So there's quite a there's quite a collection in the garage at the moment. And it seems some kids are just wired to seek those kinds of things out, even if nobody in the family is is kind of into swords or laser blasters or whatever. There's There are kids that are just kind of drawn to that kind of activity like we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, and I think that's important for us to remember. I mean, uh, the, the kids that are <laughs> that you are taking care of, whether they're biological or not, they're um, 
they're their own people, mm -hmm. and we have to follow where they lead as far as their play goes, because that's where they're developing their ideas, their interests, and just exploring the world. Um, but I really, um, as you say, some kids are just drawn to it, and a lot of the kids who are drawn to it are the kids who need what I would call power and action play. Okay. Um, there's a lot of ways to... Um, that kids find this kind of play for themselves and that we can guide them um, maybe in, in better directions here and there. Um, but they, a lot of these kids have a huge need for power and action. And so in that case, weapon play is just one aspect of that need. And um, it comes out usually in that they're really attracted to weapon play. So let's look at power and action a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's. Um, one of my first thoughts is that that is, although it is a very popular play with a subgroup of children, it seems to be a very unpopular type of play with with many uh, parents and, and caregivers. Oh, right, the adults. Uh, yeah, the adults <laughs> seem to get in the way of so much when it comes to play sometimes. Um so, yeah, we hear all kinds of things. Like um, I've I've observed so many interactions between uh, adults and kids when kids are are kind of leaning into this sort of play, and they'll say, "Oh, that's not a sword. That's a magic wand." <laughs> or even even one step further, I heard this one: "That's not a sword. That's a magic wand for making friends." <laughs> I thought, wow, if I could make friends like that, I'd just take a magic wand and go around tapping everybody on the head, you know? Oh, man, it'd be so I much mean, easier. I mean, what a great way to bypass social skills. <laughs> and, and see, though, that kind of, uh, I mean, a magic wand is, I guess, a symbol of power, which the sword or the lightsaber or the uh, imaginary shotgun are. But they, when you're trying to impose your your it just doesn't work that way when you try to force your your desires on on the children's play it doesn't it doesn't it's not play anymore when the internal rules of the game are dictated from an outsider right in fact i was sitting um i when that quote was said in the air near my head i was sitting <laughs> observing a classroom and a little 4 year old boy had been kind of waving i don't think it i don't know it was a long cylindrical object i've mm -hmm. forgotten which variety. And when he was told it was a magic wand for making friends, he stopped and put it down. And then he looked at me <laughs> with this little conspiratorial grin. And I looked at him back. I didn't say anything because I was a guest, you know, observing the classroom. And then he said, he said in a whisper, it still is a sword. Oh, I love that kid. Yeah, they, they know. And so I think... The battle becomes between kids and parents or kids and adults when it comes to power and action play. And uh, that it, it ends up being all about compliance. And there are, there are adults who, who really want kids to comply with their desire for this kind of play not to take, take place. And, yeah, and compliance while they're watching, I would add. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, because you know, I mean, you may get compliance in front of you but as soon as your head is turned it, it it dissipates very quickly right and that's that's when we're talking about the subject of toy weapons that's one thing um toy weapon play in itself 
um, is not dangerous. But if you're a kid who's really drawn to this and your ideas and your desire to play with it are shut down every time, that desire is not going to go away. In fact, it's gonna, you're going to start thinking about it more and more and how can I do this without um, you know, getting in trouble or getting, getting the adults in my life mad at me. So there's, there's going to be, if, if a child is, is fascinated by this kind of play, then by all means, have them do it out in the open in front of you rather than taking it behind your back, particularly if the kids are, are fascinated by gunplay. So in my mind, um, you know, if you're squelching it, you're actually doing some potential serious harm by taking a child who's fascinated with guns, toy, and possibly real ones, mm-hmm. and have them know that they have to sneak around and do this behind your back. Yes. That worries me as far as, you know, not all weapons are stored properly. And so if kids encounter one, they might you know, do something that, that could really um, cause harm. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's just, it's the whole idea of making making something like that taboo and driving it underground. It takes away your opportunity for figuring out effective ways to, to support it and, and, and assist and, the kid in the thing they're interested in. Right, and set guidelines and, and talk about it. I mean, the more, the more, the bigger the topic, the more I want to see it in front of me. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Behind my back. Yes. And this is one of them. So, um, and I think also there's so many different adults the child will encounter, so many different viewpoints on weapon play, that it's good that they know how you, their main caregiver or their main teacher, thinks about it and feels about it so that they understand that they're, you know, they're going to meet someone who's terrified and scared of this kind of play and who shuts it down. But they should know, um, they should know that some adults are scared of it. I, I talked to my kids when they were little, they would, we would walk to school through the woods. Mm-hmm. That was the path to the elementary school. That's sweet. And of course, what is in the woods? Lots of <laughs> sticks. I mean, it was just walking through a grocery, like a, a toy aisle. <laughs> there were just toy weapons at their feet everywhere. And so we would walk to school every day. And by the time we got to school, it was only one block. The park is a, a city block. You know, it's it's not huge. But they would have all kinds of sticks stuck in their pockets and down their waists and in their hands. And um, and I would just have to say when we got to the school grounds, you know, um, a lot of grown-ups get worried about toy weapons, and they they they're worried they they can't really they, they don't trust that it's just play. They just mm-hmm. get worried about it, and the kids would say things basically, "Oh, we feel so sorry for those grown-ups who aren't smart enough to understand this because they got it." And so they said, "Well, for those grown-ups who are too scared, we'll hide our our weapons behind this rock." Um, at least my younger one would do that uh-huh. you know, when we were walking the big brother off to school. So then he'd come back and get them again, and he knew that I wasn't worried, but he knew he was aware that some grown-ups were um, scared of what he knew was okay. Yeah, and, and it, it gave him some some sort of sympathy and empathy for these for these people. It, that's that's so polite of him, and it's good he was armed while you were going through the woods because some wolf could show up and try to find out where you're headed with that picnic basket, and uh, and things could have gone horribly wrong. So it was good he was armed to protect you as well. Uh, oh yeah, I, I was always well guarded. <laughs> so Heather, what are what are the benefits of of, uh, of 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 power and action play? What do, what do kids? What, they're drawn for to it for a reason. What are they getting out of it? Oh, they get they get out a lot. Um, they 
a lot of young kids really want to feel powerful. Not all the time. These same kids, five minutes later, might be curled up with a blanket and sucking their thumb mm-hmm. or sucking on a baby bottle or hugging, you know, a doll or something. But there's times when they need that complete comfort and nurturing. And there's times when they want to try out their strength, try out their physical strength, try out their muscles, try out their courage, like their, their emotional strength. Um, just maybe confronting some fears. And, and this is important because with weapon play, um, this is an observation the teachers at the school for young children have made over the years, is often it's the children who are the most consumed by childhood fears, you know, scared of the dark, scared of dogs, scared of, I don't know, what the, all the different ones they can have. There's, there's a lot of that, stuff to be scared of when you're little. <laughs> there's a lot of them, mustaches, clowns, I mean, the <laughs> list goes on. Um, but the ones that are the most fearful, tend to, many of those kids tend to be the ones that really want to arm themselves with powerful play, including weapon play. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one little boy named Charlie who would stick weapons down his, you know, pants, and mm-hmm. some of them kind of in the underwear band, and some of them here and there, wherever they fit, down his shirt back, down his t-shirt. And he, as soon as he had them on, then he was able to relax and play with the other kids. He didn't actually draw the weapons out. Uh-huh. He just had them arrayed on his body like armor. <laughs> and as he got more comfortable with the the social interactions over the school year and his emotions settled down, he was able to, but he started out with, I don't know, seven or nine of these weapons mm-hmm. every day in place. And as the months went on, he would put fewer and fewer around his body until at the end he was down to zero. He was comfortable enough that he didn't need this armor of protection. Um, so a lot of kids who are fearful will seek out ways to feel powerful in the daylight when they're in a comfortable environment. Maybe that's your classroom or your living room or outside of the park with someone that they they know will take care of them. And that's when they feel ready to fight their dragons. And so they're practicing. And some of that is complete emotional development of confronting fears and learning how to confront fears, learning that I am powerful, I can be strong, I can be bigger than this thing. And and what what does some somebody like me walking up to this kid and 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 scolding him to get those sticks out of his uh, his waistband and 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 his shirt collar and and tell him that we don't play like that here for that kid who is using those those sticks as these as these uh, magic runes of power almost what's that do to that poor child who's who's found a way to cope with his fear and 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 socialize when when some adult just comes up out of the blue and says hey you can't do that here. Right. Well, it, it's the same feeling as having your blankie taken away from you or yes. asked to put your favorite doggie in your cubby. You can't hold him right now. It's it's stripping away that emotional support. And kids use props. You know, they use the teddy bear. They use the blankie. They use toy weapons as emotional support. It depends on the kid and, and what they're coping with at that moment. But, yeah, it, you're stripped away. It's, it's like vulnerable. telling an adult they've got to, uh, they've got to put their, turn their cell phone off and, and put it down for, uh, for a couple hours. <laughs> take, their, take their binky away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, kids are also you, – you're talking about power struggles a little bit with, with the uh, – Adults, you know, saying put it away and and then the kids still being interested. But kids are in that vulnerable, powerless position a lot when they're little. 
And so, you know, they're being told to do it all the time. They don't have control over their schedule. They don't have control over their bodies. They're being forced to take a bath or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So they, they often are in positions of non-power, and mm-hmm. that's appropriate. Oh, yeah. Young and yeah. We're, but they, in their playtime, they need to explore, well, what does it feel like to be the powerful one? You know, that's playing mom, playing mm-hmm. teacher, playing superhero. Any of these role-playing is explorations of power. And sometimes if you're um, playing superhero or playing, you know, knight in shining armor or whatever it might be, then you need the prop that goes with that to, to feel as if you really have the powers of that person. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it's all learning how to be powerful and be a leader and be in control in the real world when they're doing these things in the safe haven of play. Um, I think a lot of times adults don't understand how different play world is from real world. Kids are creating their own universe, and and, and it, it becomes very real for them. And at very early ages, kids are able to tell the difference between real and play. And I, I think a lot of times adults have, have a hard time seeing that and understanding it, mostly because the kids look like they are really in whatever they're in when they're, when right. they're at play. And, and, and so if you're concerned about this, you know, can't the kids really tell what's real, what's not? Watch them when they're having what I would call a breakout of play. So if you're watching a couple kids uh, or a small group of kids in some sort of fantasy game, um, watch when they suddenly break character and they explain a new rule that has to be put in. Yes. You know, their voice changes. That they, they were using a different voice or mm-hmm. their body was standing a different way. And all of a sudden, they start explaining, setting the boundaries, or, or somebody falls down and gets hurt and scrapes her knee or something. So it's these breaks in place. See how they behave then, um, and then they go back into it. They can they can tell the difference there. They can move from one to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they're overwhelmed, you know, maybe maybe they're feeling too caught up in the fantasy, then you can say, hey, do you need a break? You know, th- this seems almost scary for you right now because you're battling this dragon. Do you need a break from the dragon? And maybe they do want to come over and have a snuggle. And maybe they don't. I think another thing that we, we confuse sometimes about play is that play is always a, a happy, everybody's, everybody's He's in a good mood, all friendly, uh, candy canes and, and rainbows kind of thing. But play can, and intentionally, play can be a scary, serious um, activity where, where you confront strong emotions and, 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 and you feel fear from that imaginary dragon because you're, it's, 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 all part of, it's all part of the play. Play isn't always a friendly, happy thing. And so sometimes if they have no interest in, in breaking character and leaving those, those fearful, scary, intense activities, uh, one of the best things we can do is step back and let them, let them add it. Go through it. Yeah, it's it's what I would call it checking in. It's the same as what Absolutely. Um, rough and tumble play. You can say, hey, you know, everybody doing okay? You need to take a breather. And if they're just ready to go and their emotions are doing fine, yeah, let them continue. Um, it's just sort of a polite once in a while, make sure everybody's – because sometimes somebody is – is holding it together, but just waiting for a moment to, to, to collapse a little bit. And so keep, you, know, you can keep your eye out. Don't interrupt, but just check in, see how everybody's doing. 
Yeah. Well, I, well I'm going to check in right now. We're coming up on our, our usual 20-minute episode length, um, and we, we talked a lot about power. We didn't get into much, much action. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about action now? The, uh, were you meaning about action, the, the big body stuff and the motion and the, the rolling around, or where were you wanting to go there? Uh, does that need to come back to another episode and talk about that, or do we throw it in here? Or what, 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 tell me where we should yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this, this play um, is not always with weapon play, because sometimes you're sneaking around quietly, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. as part of the play. But the need for loud, fast, big, daring, rough, that, that type of action, or, or crashing cars, or crashing planes, or any kind of, you know, derailment, yeah, <laughs> can but, be part of this need for action and big, and, and having the space for that. So I would just, I, I think we can um, wrap this episode up by, say, by saying, with the action and this kind of play, if it's not an appropriate location, um, you know, send them outside, mm-hmm. even if it's raining, or find a bigger space. But um, welcome that that need for action instead of shutting it down. Just find a what do you need for your game? You need a room where we can run. Yeah. This isn't a room where we can run. We can go down the hall and use this other room because I can see this is a big game. Yeah, yeah. And in another episode, we're gonna we're gonna dig into some of the learning. And there's a lot of learning in that that big, active, full motion, tumbling kind of play. So we'll 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 touch more on that there. Hey, this this has been renegade rules we will be back soon with another episode thanks for tuning in thanks for sharing the show and uh and thanks for being a little bit renegade out there with the children in your lives back soon bye-bye bye thanks for listening we'll be back next week with another episode music by alexander shoemaker This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.